Hey, what's up, guys? You're watching the Drugs and Stuff podcast. Today, Dave and I are going to start out with our steroids in the news segment. That's where we discuss mainstream media stories that have involved uh, PEDs and steroids in one way or another. After that, we've got a bunch of listener questions. We're going to start out talking about SARMs for females. Then we discuss the fat loss benefits of growth hormone and secretagogues. And finally, we have our Speaking English with Dave segment, where we talk about all sorts of weird British slang. So stick around. We're going to have some fun right now here on Drugs and Stuff. So to start us out, I have a story here, Steroids in the News. Dave, did you ever see the movie Icarus? It's a documentary on Netflix. I haven't, but it's the story of the Russian doping program, is it not? Yes, exactly, exactly. And um, yes. it is centered around a guy, Dr. How do you... Rodchenkov? Rodchenkov? Is that how you say it? Grigory Rodchenkov. Rodchenkov. Okay, oh, I think I almost got it. So... He was the whistleblower here. Uh, what Russian whistleblower Rochenkov is in the U.S. witness protection program, but still fears for his life. Dude, the Russians take doping pretty seriously, I guess. Pretty serious. Oh, yeah. Money. Big, big money, but also pride. Oh. Big state pride, national pride. So okay. big, big thing. Okay. Remember that the old... Russia and communism is very much about you are there to serve the greater good, which is the state. Okay. So the state is the most important factor in that, and everything you do must be to one of the states. So obviously somebody saying, well, the state's dodgy and corrupt as fuck yeah. because they do illegal things is, is a big, big, big no-no. Yes, it will be... I would suspect relatively high on the list of people we want to fuck up. Mm, yeah. Okay, so this guy, Rochenkov, was the former director of the Moscow Anti-Doping Center from 2005 to 2015. Uh, he is in an undisclosed location. Um, he has uh, armed FBI agents and is a participant of the U.S. Witness Protection Program. Uh, he is considered to be a traitor by Russia after he became a whistleblower and exposed a fair, uh, a far-reaching state-sponsored doping program in Russia that made him the Kremlin's most wanted man. Dude, I got to tell you, man, I would not want to be wanted by the Kremlin. No. Um, they say as well that they expelled three Russians from America that they believe was sent to find the doctor. Oh, no kidding. Like they were here on the hunt, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. Wow. Um, we had something over here not that long ago. Uh, it was a poisoning. Oh. And a defected... Now, I'll probably get this wrong because I didn't pay that much attention to it, but basically a guy died of poisoning who had some involvement with Russia or as a defective Russian spy or something of that nature. Yeah. Two Russian guys were seen by CCTV coming off a plane, landing in London, coming off a plane, traveled to the village where this uh, guy lived. Um, they said they just came to 
have a brew with him basically they just came for a cup of tea and then they were going <laughs> i love Dice. that yeah yeah they're yeah, probably I, like honestly, they're probably like it, big scary looking dudes with like it, you know brass knuckle it, tattoos and it was the most ridiculous excuse and story i mean it wasn't even a good effort you know what i mean it yeah. was really bad Guy died of a certain poisoning, which is a Russian poison. They Ooh. found it on his door handle. They found it here. They found it there. I think someone else died from it in the village as well. Huh. Um, but, yeah, that was supposedly Russia sending these assassins to sort him out. But I must admit, it wasn't particularly covert if they did. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sleepy little English village with two Russian hitmen walking around in it. That yeah. stands out a bit. That sounds like a movie, actually. <laughs> yeah, so, but... No, I mean, Russia's it's got a history, hasn't it, of uh, doing incredible things to protect its state image. I mean, look at Chernobyl. Yeah, yeah. They they made a documentary. It really wasn't a documentary. They did a TV show on that not too long ago, a couple year or two ago. Did you see that? It was pretty good. Yeah, that was done by the, the English. Oh, okay. You guys did something. Was, uh, you guys do some good stuff sometimes. Uh, Although uh, when you make TV do- shows, you only do like six episodes per season. Which we do like 106, so there's that. Yeah, but your episodes are 25 minutes long because for 40, 30 minutes of bloody adverts. Yeah, that's how we do it, right? So, yeah, so when we watch an American episode, we actually only get about 20 minutes of episode and yeah. take all the adverts out, and it's very, very short. It's like a little 11 minute show because that's that's about what our attention span can hold. About 11 minutes. I'm not arguing with that one. Yeah. I'm yeah. not arguing with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's see here. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying here. Uh, what we learned from the Bureau, the FBI, they put that, uh, was that three of the Rus- three Russians were expelled uh, that had been placed here by the Kremlin to find the doctor. We actually saw pictures of these individuals. So the threat is real. Man. Man, that's uh, that's some scary shit, dude. You think about it, man. I mean, that really is like a movie for us. Steroids, performance enhancing drugs. They're just like they're just part of what we do in bodybuilding. But to think that they're like that serious kind of it's scary. It's blows. It blows my mind, man. It talks about what I just said about afterwards. It said uh, Rachenkov. Presumably dodged a proverbial bullet when the U.S. government expelled 60 Russian diplomats in protest of the attempted murder of Sergei Skripal. Well, that was the guy they tried killing in England. Oh, okay. Um, using the poison with an experimental Russian-developed Novichok nerve agent in Salisbury. Oh, jeez. So they both they survived, actually. Sorry, I thought he died. <laughs> they survived, pretty so much I uh, wow. watched it. Uh, and off the back of that, America expelled 60 Russian diplomats, which this article is saying probably actually inadvertently saved Rachenkov's life because there wasn't as many Russians in the States to do what they wanted them to do. No kidding, man. Wow. That is really something else, man. That is, it is crazy. We had a, we did have a bunch of stories here. Uh, this website, like I said, Roy Visor. I like that name, Roy Visor. Um, I'll pull up another story here. They had, this is uh and like I said, man, they're, they're like these guys, they like, they get us. Okay. Uh, next story is Juiced Cop sold uh, oxycodone in fatal overdose case. So they're linking the steroid thing here. Uh, Joseph Recca was a 28-year-old veteran cop assigned to the 25th precinct of Harlem uh, by the New York Police Department. He has been charged with conspiracy, drug sales, drug possession, 
unauthorized use of a computer huh, and official misconduct. Uh, what's that mean, Dave? Unauthorized use of a computer. Uh, a police officer is allowed to access a computer for police work if mm. they access it for personal information. So, for example, saying, if I was a police officer, okay, and, and you'd cut me up driving when yeah. I wasn't at work, yeah. I can't run your number plates to find out who was driving the car. Mm. That's misuse. Okay, okay. I could only I could only run the number plates if I was investigating you or that vehicle. Okay. So it's stuff like that. Huh. Okay. So, uh, what do we have here? Um, so this guy, he was arrested. He was a middleman along with two other people that, uh, he was kind of in the middle of the chain there. And it looks like the other guy was named Sosa. They linked this to bodybuilding. It has nothing to do with bodybuilding. Uh, they're talking about street level dealers, oxycodone suppliers, uh, fentanyl poisoning. So, but they say, uh, that they trained at the same bodybuilding gym in Long Island, in Strong Island allegedly purchased hundreds of pills at a time uh, and redistributed these drugs uh, to, to end users, to well, actually to someone else who distributed them to end users. There is like nothing to do with steroids from what I see in this story, other than the fact that maybe he used them. Yeah, there is one about a crack dealer who became a top master distance runner to a steroid cheat. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Here's what they do say. A search of his personal vehicle resulted in the seizure of these pills. Uh, a few vials of injectable anabolic steroids that were presumably for personal use. So all of a sudden this became a steroid story yeah. because he used gear. Well, you've got to remember that, you know, you find one vial, then it's that dirty steroid user, bent copper, breaking all the rules because he uses steroids, which makes him a drug dealer. And that's why he dealt other drugs because of steroids. Fair enough. You forget that. You forget that. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm I mean, this one, this, I like this one. The, uh, the so crack this dealer? Guy, yeah, Kevin Castile was a crack dealer. Okay, fair enough. You got to make money somehow. He went to prison in 2001. When he got out of prison, he started racing. So he runs in the 40 to 44 age group. Okay. And he has basically smashed everybody for the last eight years. Hell yeah. Everybody said he was on drugs. Everybody pointed the finger, and he never failed a drug test until 2019. Huh. What did he fail for? Was it crack? Um, no, he failed for nandrolone. Really? Huh? You don't crack you up. don't beat nandrolone testing. You know what I mean? It's just in there for so long. Yeah, which well, seems a strange choice. Oh, it's joint support and all that, I suppose. But yeah. Um, and then the apparently from when he started. All the other competitors were saying he was cheating and constantly accused him of using performance enhancing drugs. Huh. But for eight years, he never failed a test. You know what? He finally failed in 2019. I'm going to tell you what. I feel like as a crack dealer, you got to be able to run fast. You might not have to on a regular basis, but it's good to have that. It's good to have that in your back pocket. You know what I mean? It, it's probably <laughs> part of the tools of your trade is being able to... Yeah. Shift, yes. You might not, yeah. You might not. You need to use that one every day, but when you do, it's nice to have it. You know. Um, they're all apparently he earned about sixty-six thousand dollars in prize money over the the last several years, hmm. uh, and they've now assumed that because he got caught cheaping once, that he must have cheated all the time because they're all up and moaning and saying, 
oh, I'm annoyed because I lost out on prize money because he kept beating me. Yeah, yeah. Fuck off. You sad bastards. <laughs> I, I wonder if this was actually uh, Norangelo, because it actually says it was like, uh, what is it, 19NA as well as other prohibited 19 nor steroids. So I wonder if they were like any type of an oral type pro-hormone type deal that, you know, had similar metabolites. Possibly, possibly. That would make more sense to me, you know. Still a big mistake. Yeah, I just, you know, he shouldn't be doing them. Granted, you know, the sport's tested, and at the end of the day, if you're going to compete in a sport, you should abide by the rules. Absolutely. Yes, you can argue that other people don't and that steroids are quite widely used. Granted, but that doesn't mean it's right. If you're breaking the rules, you're breaking the rules. Yeah. But this, you can tell that the competitors were incredibly bitter. Yes. Because there's like two of them quoted of moaning like fuck because they lost a thousand dollars in prize money because he, they got beat by him in the last eight years. You think it's the thousand dollars, or you think it's the the you know the the ego thing that they wanted to win? Possibly a bit of both, but that's not to say that they're not using. Yeah, this is true too, isn't it? You know, uh, but he's passed drug tests for the last eight years. He's only failed one in 2019. So, yeah. you know, you could argue that he's only used it recently. You don't, you just don't know, but it, it's the complaints. Many masters are particularly upset because they suspect Castillo was cheating to out them of prize money. So um, John Gardner lost repeatedly to Castile and missed out on a lot of prize money estimated at $2,000. Huh. I wouldn't say it was a lot of prize money, but <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, not like crack Great. money. You know what I mean? It's like crack money would yeah. do a little bit better, I think. Also, Greg Mitchell blames Castile for undeservedly winning one thousand to two thousand that would have otherwise come to him, and mm. it's just like this. Yeah, you know the guy's cheated. He's got caught. He's banned to two thousand and twenty-three. Um, but you can't say that every time he's beat you, he's been on drugs because you just don't know. That's true. And listen, I'm going to take a I'll take an opposite or, you know, the, op, the different approach here. This whole article, I feel like just from the headline in from the start, it looks like he's a bad dude. But I'm going to say this. What if this guy what if this is the story? Let me paint a different picture. What if this guy turned his life around? He went to prison <coughs> because he made some mistakes. He was selling drugs. Who knows what his situation was there? He turned it around. He got into athletics. He started running. He was good at it. He started performing well at it. He started winning. Maybe he did take some type of a pro-hormone, you know, but it doesn't mean that he was necessarily a bad dude or even intentionally, you know, trying to do something. I don't know, man. I don't know if it was, I don't know if he was the bad, bad guy all the way through I, the way they make this look. I'm not going to swallow the accidentally consumed bullshit on this one. No, but at the same time, this is a guy who was a career criminal who went to prison, has come out, and hasn't been in trouble with the police since. There you go, yeah. You know, so there's a huge positive there. And and, and though it's touched on, it, it, it's it's very much ignored that, you know, the guy's come a very long way from where he was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he may have doped for the old eight years, but if he did, then you really want to look at your testing because it's shit. Um <laughs> Or, or it was just a recent thing because maybe he was starting to feel like he was slipping. Yeah, yeah. Um, who knows? But to say that every Masters runner is completely innocent of any violation of the doping rules, I find difficult to swallow. 
Yeah, he yeah. he won't be the only one. I don't I don't for one second believe he's the only one. And let's say he even did intentionally ingest some type of a pro hormone. That is a far cry from like going back to his old ways. It's not like he went to the crack dealers, you know, and, and found this stuff. He bought that from, uh, you know, an online supplement shop or a local supplement shop. You know, if that were if that were the case, I don't feel like it's it's like this is just, you know, another one of his things, you know, that he's done type thing. I mean, obviously, this isn't um, this isn't sort of on the same level as pro athletics in general because over eight years, his prize money is not particularly huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's so not he's living off um, No, no, he's not. You know, he's earned sixty thousand dollars in eight years. He's not even ten thousand, eight thousand dollars a year, isn't it? So yeah. Um, uh, but apparently, he said it's not the performance that's the issue; it's the fact that he could do it week in, week out. What do you mean? Well, what they're saying is that it's not that he could outrun guys. That wasn't what they made him suspect, was that he could outrun guys week in, week out. Oh, okay. And they said that when they've done three or four races in a row, they struggle to recover after they're that. They're wrecked. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, it's possible. But, uh, I mean, obviously he was used and he got caught and he's been banned because of it. But uh, And who knows? They could have been conditioning. Like I said, you might not need to use that running too often as a crack dealer, but it, let's say you had to run once a week, you know, that's good conditioning practice for this. This is nothing compared to that. So, America, you need to start looking at your crack dealers for your new sprint athletes because you are not tapping into a world of talent here. Hey, I've watched Cops, all right, the TV show, and I've seen hey. there's some guys that can hurdle fences, uh hide under kiddie pools, dodge the police very well, get away. You know, they well, need the chopper. Can start a, you can start a program. Yeah? Yeah. Drugs to Olympics or something. I don't know. You know, some sort of out of drug use into competitive running. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll start that. We'll find some <laughs> some guys on crack, down, you know, and then we'll start giving them, you know, Proper food, training, money. Do interviews with him every week. We'll see how that goes. Well, if you're going to give people proper food and money, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a drug addict. Please. <laughs> uh, all right, Dave. Let's uh, let's move on here. We did have some other stories. We'll we'll save those for next time. We do have our listener questions, and then after that. Uh, Dave, I know you've prepared something special for us uh, for um, our uh, Speaking English with Dave segment. Hey, what's going on, guys? Scott McNally here. I'm going to jump in with a quick break, and then we will get right back to the show. By the way, guys, if you're listening to this on iTunes, do me a favor and leave us a five-star review. All that stuff will help to uh, boost us up so that other people can find our programming. All right, guys, we're going to take just a brief pause to shout out truenutrition.com. I've been using them for years now, years long before they sponsored our programming, and so has Skip, and so has Scott Stevenson, and so has Dusty Hanshaw. In fact, those guys knew the owner, Dante Trudell, for years now, since back before he even had True Nutrition. He's the creator of DC Training, which we talk about all the time, and he's also the creator of True Nutrition. He developed this company so that he could offer bodybuilders 
high quality supplements with no flashy marketing, no gimmicks, none of the stuff that would boost the pricing up. This way he could sell products for next to wholesale pricing and make sure that he kept them as high quality as possible. I back everything sold by truenutrition.com. You can get everything you need from all your protein powders to plant-based protein powders to whole food vitamins and fish oil to performance supplements like your NO products like citrulline, malate, and beta alanine. Anything you could possibly think of, you can get there at True Nutrition. And if you use our code ADVICES, that will let them know that you support our programming and in turn, they'll continue to support what we are doing. So once again, that's truenutrition.com and our code ADVICES supports our podcasts, plus it'll get you a discount. I also want to shout out getazoth.com. That's A-Z-O-T-H. Azoth is on the cutting edge of brain supplements. Increasing focus and attention, live in the zone. Cognition and memory to process faster and think deeper. Improves mood, controls stress, plus energy and motivation. Start strong and finish stronger. Whatever you're investing your time in, the idea of nootropics is to get more out of it, to get more accomplished and to be more effective at what you're doing. I use nootropics to help boost my cognitive abilities while I'm podcasting, adjusting diets, and dialing people in on their contest preps. Azoth 2.0 is great for performance enhancement at my desk, but it's also great for performance enhancement in the gym. Check them out. You can go to getazoth.com. You can go to the Amazon link. Both of those are in our show notes. And we also have a code. Advices10 will get you 10% off at either of those sites. That's A-Z-O-T-H. Thank you guys for listening to our ads. Thank you for supporting us by shopping with our sponsors and using our codes. And if you have any questions, reach out to me at Scott McNally one on Instagram or hit me up at the Advices Radio group on Facebook. Uh, for starters, we did have a question about SARMs. Let me see if I can pull that one back up. SARMs and female use. Um, let's see. If a female began taking SARMs uh, that suppressed her natural testosterone production, taking it in... Uh, the middle range of n- normal to well below normal, uh, could the benefits of the SARMs offset the decrease in testosterone? Yeah, but it's not a long-term solution. Okay. So SARMs are suppressive. Um, not for everybody, but they are. Uh, the originals like Austrian Andarine S4 aren't particularly, but more of the newer ones, Rad140, YK11, are quite suppressive what are you doing my nasal spray i got a i've got terrible hay fever man thanks for stopping the show to bring some of the more dave appreciate the the new generation stuff uh this is what i have to work with people it's just it's just beyond a joke now it really is anyway uh says the most unprofessional person on podcast (laughs) will i would believe um so stuff like yk you know rad 140 and stuff they're much more suppressive um And very often they'll need a PCT or some sort of therapy post usage. Hmm. Um, yes, you're gonna get suppression on an um, on a, a SARM. The same happens in a male as it does in a female. Um, they are tissue selective, so in or in general they're tissue selective. So what's gonna happen is those anabolic actions are gonna be primarily based around muscle tissue. Hmm. Um, they so, say that they say that, but I do feel yeah, like are they really that selective? No, there's, they, they've never managed to get it 100% right, which is why 
they're still developing and which is why a lot of development has been ceased on them because they just can't seem to get them to work properly. Careful, careful, Dave. You're going to piss some people off on YouTube by saying that. I piss people off every day, apparently, by breathing. Um, you piss me off, but just on Tuesdays when we record this. I save up all my frustration for Tuesdays so I can outlet at you. I kind of figured that. I, I did. You're like a rubber stress doll for me, <laughs> and I verbally need you to get my stress out. Dave gets it all out. I just put him on mute and before the show, and I just every once in a while I work, and then every once in a while I just look over here at the camera and I go, oh, yeah, okay, that's really tough, Dave. And then I go back to work. And then a half hour later, we start recording. That's the way it works every week, guys. He does as well. Anyway, moving on. Um, so you're going to short term, you know, most sort of cycle them six, eight, 12 weeks. Yeah. That reducing anabolics in, in other receptors is not going to cause a major concern. But continued use long term, you could start to see some issues. But bear in mind that women do a lot of uh, hormone conversion in tissue. Hmm. Okay. So they, obviously they have part of their testosterone levels are created within the ovaries. Uh, part of it is created by the adrenal gland and part of it is created by the conversion of other hormones in tissue. Yeah. So as they have such a varied production of hormone, they're a lot more resilient than males to the influence of external hormones. Um, but yeah, you will see a, a, a mild suppression. You'd see the same in a male if you tested the male at the same time. Yeah. Um, and it's like I say, it's one of those things. It's something you sort of see now quite a bit is like when people talk about anavar only cycles, so you can't do that. You have to run a test base. Mm -hmm. And the argument is that because anavar is a DHT and it doesn't convert to estrogen, that if you maintain anavar cycle for too long a period, you'll start suffering from low estrogen. Sure. Symptoms. Oh, okay. And, and wow. And, and that is true, hmm. but generally you're going to be running it for quite extended periods of time before that becomes an issue. Okay, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so for most cycle durations of anything between 8 and 12 weeks, you're perfectly fine with it. There will be exceptions. There will be those people that are a little bit sensitive. Yeah. Um, but And it's a similar sort of scenario to this. You're fine for most cycle durations. But if you're going to start running Psalms for 30 weeks then yes, I would expect you to see some issues relating to the fact that your hormone palate's been quite disrupted and it's not been, it's not like when you take test where you, you stop test production but you replace it artificially Yeah, because you're replacing it with a, a compound that's not a full range spectrum hormone. Yeah, it's not, it's just not the same. So I, no, I, could, I could totally see that. And yeah, further, when you talk about that, like like I think going back to what you initially said, it, it is not going to be a long-term solution you know it's yeah no matter what you're going to cause issues and then you gotta you'd have to uh bounce back from that before you'd be back to normal I, d I just don't know about that the idea overall man i mean what do you what do you think though do you would you would you what do you think in general let me ask you this what do you think in general about sarms for a female longer term like that i i the theory says that they are not viable for long-term continued use. Okay. I haven't had the opportunity to, to particularly talk at length with a female that's used them long-term to, to ask how she feels and how she's felt. Yeah. Um, I suspect that the sides won't be terribly dramatic. Yeah. Um, you know, and you're going to see stuff like uh, 
period stopping. You're going to see stuff like um, body fat levels changing and things like that. Yeah. But I'm not so sure you're going to see symptoms that are particularly debilitating for somebody unless they are particularly sensitive. Yeah. Um, but the theory would say that as time progresses, the hormone imbalances would become more of an issue. That was what I would imagine, too. With anything, really, yeah. be, be, be yeah. it a SARM or Anivar or whatever, right? But I've not got... I've not had the opportunity to actually communicate with somebody who's random long-term to discuss the side effects and the experiences that they've had from that. I'd like to do that, actually. So if there is anybody female that has hammered Psalms for six months, please get in touch. All right. Because uh, I'd really like to know how you felt. We had another question here. Um, I'm wondering what are some thoughts on proper post-show blast to minimize and, or maximize and capitalize on sensitivity and how long to run it before going to a cruise. Clearly, it's a bit individualized, but in general terms, I uh, would appreciate your thoughts. You can go first on this one. Okay. Um, let's see. See, what he normally does is send me first, so he has time to think about <laughs> it. Well, here's my thought overall. <laughs> you know, post-contest... You've already been you know, you know, most likely pushing things a little harder with the gear. So mm -hmm. it's not a time. There was a time, I think, that I would have thought like, hey, throw some D-ball in for the last, you know, for that, for, for, for a short period. But listen, you've probably already been on an Oral, Halo, Winstrel, whatever. Uh, you've been pushing hard going into the show. My thought would be, and this is a lot of times that I've suggested, is to pull everything back except for the test. And then just ride that out for another four weeks, maybe. When he says sensitivity, now I know he's not referring to sensitivity of the drugs. He's referring to sensitivity of like insulin sensitivity. You know, you get that that rebound effect. So mm -hmm. if anything, I'd want to just make sure I'd want to make sure that my testosterone was supported. If you come off, if you do PCT, I would probably give it another four weeks before I actually started that, before I actually decided, okay, now it's time to come off. I would come off everything else. You know, I'd come off the fat burners. I'd come off any additional AAS that you were taking. If you're running growth, I'd continue to run the growth. I feel like that's really supportive post-cycle um, and post-contest. But yeah, just I'd just maybe, well, you know what? He even says cruise. I don't even know. Listen, man, I don't think the drugs are super important post-contest. Post I feel like, it's the food that's really going to be the driver. And as long as your testosterone is supported, you're going to blow up. You know, you're going to, huh? you know, you're going to, you're going to get some good insulin sensitivity. You're going to get great pumps. You're going to get some good workouts. But you also have to remember, too, the other factor is you really you can only push so hard because after you dehydrate like that, it can take longer for your connective tissues to rehydrate. So, you know, Sunday comes around and you're 10 pounds up now because you ate pizza Saturday night after the show. Uh, or you went to, uh, you know, Chili's, ate a bunch of tacos or something. The next day, you're still not hydrated in those connective tissues. So it wouldn't be a smart idea to go in and bang out the heaviest weights you can. You got to still be careful. I completely agree. I, I think post-show, the last thing you want to be doing is throwing drugs at it. Yeah. I think the first thing you want to be doing is riding out that natural rebound you're going to get. And you're going to get that. Uh, and I would hold off on the drugs until your natural rebound started to stall. Yeah. Um, but also you need to consider 
potentially health markers because competing is very stressful and does take a huge toll on the body. So it is always worth to run a set of bloods and just see how damaging, how stressful was that prep. And you'll know because you'll know how hard the prep was and you'll know what drugs you ran into the prep. You know, if you've come into the prep in the last two weeks or you've run is 50 milligram of Anavar, then you can pretty assume that you're not going to be overly drug stressed post-show, but you're still going to be stressed and it's still going to take a matter of weeks for your body to recover from that properly. Yeah. Um, so a mild, you know, obviously have your blowout afterwards like everybody does because most people would go bonkers if they didn't get that. But then drop back into your diet and just do a mild increase and just reverse diet. Bring it up nice and steady, which will elongate the period that you're rebounding, which means you'll get more progression out of it. Worst thing you can do is go back up to bulking food straight after a show because you'll you'll go week one, full, strong, vascular, still as lean, 10 pound up. Week two, 15 pound up, still as lean, full, strong and vascular. Week three, yeah. 20 pound up. Oh, shit, I've got fat. <laughs> Where, yeah. Whereas if you just you stage it, you'll still get those weight increases, but you'll maintain that longevity of that rebound for much, much longer. You'll take, re- and you maintain that get, what? the longevity of the rebound, i.e. you'll push the rebound period into a greater number of weeks. Say that word again. The long- uh, well, I'm, I don't know. I may have just the longevity of the rebound. You say longevity. Hmm. Does that sound like, did I say that the way you say it? Longevity. Yeah, the, the length of the rebound. We say, we pronounce it differently. We say, so you don't speak English for a start, do you? We say longevity. Longevity. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe that's just me. Probably just me. Not no, I thought it was like a written. British thing. Well, you said it like no, three times, so that's the way you say I th- it. I, so. I think it's probably just me being oh. an ignorant git and not speaking correctly, to be quite honest. Um, but, you know, you, 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 you extend that window of rebound for a longer period of time. It yeah. gives your body more time to recover, and then you're fresher going into when you do start your cycle to maintain that upward trajectory. Yes, and and listen, I'm, I'm all for trying to get that rebound, but whatever you do do not get fat because then you're going to screw yourself when you are ready to go back on cycle again, then you're fucked. Right. Basically. Yeah. Baby steps. I think everything in this should be baby steps. Yeah. If you're making big changes, you're going to ask for a big opposite push against those changes. Absolutely. If you make baby steps all the time, micromanage things. And I don't mean as in overly, you know, anal over every little detail, but I mean, small changes frequently done, you'll find that you get much better control over your body composition, much better control of how you respond, yeah. and a much better understanding of how your body works. I agree 100%. All right, move on to the next question here. Let's see. Okay, using HGH, uh, GHRP secretagogues. It says, actually, I don't know see, what she's using. Diff- we say that differently as well. What do you say? Secretus, we call it. Secretus? Yeah, I would never know what you were saying if you said secretary. No, and it's probably me to pronounce it wrong. I spent the first eight years of steroid knowledge pronouncing enanthate incorrectly. You were probably reading it, right? I just uh, it was enthanate for years. <laughs> yeah, I've seen. Um, I've met people who say because they they learned a lot of their information off of message boards, and they'll say test uh, prop prop like a boat prop because it's spelled the same never seen that saying that i call it test prop we call it test prop in the uk even though it's not it's probe but we call it test prop okay you guys all learn what you know off the internet then 
Well, I think it's just a case of, does it really matter? Really? No. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. But what if I said potato all the time? Would that bother you? No. No. Okay. It just reinforced my thoughts that you're an idiot. That would be all. (laughs) All right. So uh, I don't know what she's using here because he has a slash. Is it he or she? I believe it's a he. Using HGH. Oh, I actually, I don't know because it's his client. Using HGH slash GHRP6 slash secretagogue to improve body composition in a client that is fat with already hindered uh, insulin sensitivity. Composition will improve, but at the risk of health in regards of insulin sensitivity at type 2 diabetes. Diabetes. Um, How about that? I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't understand the need. Well, hold on. There's, let me finish reading the rest. He says, um, is there a happy middle ground in this situation, like using a G, GDA um, or uh, natural or pharma to offset the furthering of insulin resistance? Um, or is the situation one of those where you want to get as lean as possible uh, before adding in HGH, GHRP slash secretagogues? Okay, so they're not using it yet. Right. Yeah. Okay. So first question would be, is the insulin resistance due to body composition, i.e. their insulin resistance because they're fat folks, or is the insulin resistance a medical issue, i.e. they're borderline type 2? If the insulin resistance is a medical issue, then I'd be very wary about using the growth at this stage, and I'd definitely look at GDAs, berberine, that sort of thing in order to try and maximize the natural response they can get. Yeah. If the insulin issue is because they're fat folks, then why using a fat burner at this stage? Because you're, you're obviously then already carrying large amounts of body fat, which means your initial stages of fat loss should easily be achievable naturally. You would think, yeah. I would, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there becomes a point where it gets harder, and that's where the fat burners come in and are convenient. Mm-hmm. But I think too many people go on going on a diet, where's my fat burners? Uh, and it's yeah. just not necessary, you know. Kind of um, like cardio. Like, you know, cardio could be helpful, but you don't want cardio to be the reason that you're losing the fat. You want the diet to be the reason. You yeah. Know? These are all extra tools you bring in at points when progress slow, slows, stalls, or you need to mix it up a little bit just to keep your own sanity in what you're doing. Sure, yeah. Um, but uh, the other thing is, I wouldn't be looking at growth or growth-based products as my primary fat burners. Yeah, no, God, no. That's like an additional thing. Yeah, unless I was looking for other benefits from them as well, particularly related around maybe age or sleep quality or joint issues. You know, so I would – there's other fat burners would be my go-tos before I start looking at growth hormone as a a supplementation in the way of a fat burner. That's a great point. If it's a guy who's like, you know, we'll say 45 years old and he maybe wanted to have it for like the other benefits that go along with that, like improved recovery, you know, maybe improve your hair quality, skin quality, stuff like that, you know, then sure, sure. I'd say go for it. But you're right, man. I'm totally with you. Um, Do you feel like a, a, a small dose of growth would have a negative impact on, uh, on blood sugar for someone? 
I think it's very person dependent. Okay. Uh, I mean, for example, MK six seven seven's got a huge reputation for screwing up BGs. Does it really? Okay. But I know a lot of people that tolerate that incredibly well, mm. and then I know other people whose BG goes through the bloody roof when they run it. So, and I think it's very similar with Growformer. Um, if someone is already insulin resistant to some degree, and the other thing is. Are we guessing they're insulin resistant because of what the clients told you, or have we tested and we know they're insulin resistant? That leads me to his next question, actually, Dave. Ah, okay. He says, um, what uh, is the gold standard for insulin sensitivity? Are we relying on fasted blood glucose, uh, or is A1C better measurement? BG is instantaneous, so you can see response post food or post carbs yeah. or whatever it is you eat to be honest because it's protein as well and whatever so you can bg prior to a meal bg post meal and you can see how effective your response is yeah hb1 is more an overview of how your body's responding okay so both have their uses depending on where you are and what you're looking at uh personally i'd probably look at bg it's fat. It would be a fast way to kind of check your response, you know, postprandial, yeah, two yeah. hours after you eat, see where you're at. So, do your fasted. Do it. I'd do it thirty hour, hour and a half too. If I was really wanting to track and see how it was responding, yeah. Um, and and then you can see where you're looking at, and and if you're coming back down in the right sort of time scale, or if it's taking a little bit longer, you're a bit more elongated, but. If someone's of high body fat, it generally goes that they're going to have some level of insulin resistance anyway. Sure. It sort of goes hand in hand with being fat. So uh, I do think, and I think, I do think it's very important to manage your natural insulin response as much as you can. And I'm a big fan of GDAs for doing that. Yeah. Um, it, comps or off season, uh, either way, I do think, I, I think if you're going down the insulin route, then you've probably already lost almost. Mm. Um, very rare you you would actually need insulin. It's a personal choice, and if you want to do that, that's fine. Or if you just want to play with insulin so you get that Super Bowl short temporary look, fine. But I think for most people, just managing their own insulin sensitivity is going to be more than productive enough, and they don't need to move to insulin unless they are really pushing the food envelope way and above and beyond what they would normally do. Yeah, and, and then once you do that, taking insulin is not going to help your insulin sensitivity at all. You know, at that point, you well, like you kind of said, you kind of threw in the towel right there. Yeah, I mean, a small amount just to take some pressure off the beta cells with high meals, it, it's, it can be very productive. But it is a small amount. It's one and two IU. It's not 120 Milo style. I mean, I've done that. Yeah. You know, I have tried that. And, and you do get a huge inflation. You've taken, you've taken 120 units before? Per day, yeah. Holy crap. That's a lot of insulin. Well, I've, I've done 70, 50, 70 post-workout. Holy shit. That's a lot of insulin, man. Huh. And uh, at the end of it, I could take fifty and not eat and not not crash. Because you, yeah, your blood sugar was terrible, <laughs> right? No, yeah, yeah, numb your sensitivity, it. man, man, trashed, absolutely trashed. Yeah, I think so. So I'm just gonna go out on a limb here and say this guy, is, or girl, whoever this person is that uh, he's working with, 
you know, they're not at a point where I, they need to like super compensate with insulin. I think that the GDA is a much better idea and probably for the vast majority of people listening to this too, or watching this as well on YouTube, mm. you know, I feel like that's probably going to be a better bet. And I'm kind of, I found people get freaked out with AM uh, fasted blood sugar testing with the dawn phenomena. I've seen people have higher blood sugar and then I found that doing like the two hour post post perennial post after your biggest carb meal is the best place to start testing. If you test two hours past your your biggest carb meal, you could start to get an idea of what your what your glute, excuse me blood glucose and insulin response is like. You know, Dave's Dave's distracted over here. Mrs. Crossland is Mrs. Crossland down there right now. She's showing some at me, and then the dog's licking his bollocks at the side of me. Hey, thank you. <laughs> But no, I do agree. I do agree. I think it's a drug that's far too quickly gone to is insulin. Yeah. Far too quickly. Yeah. Um, and I, but I do think the same with fat burners as well. When when you speak to people, oh, I'm on a cut. Oh, okay. So I'm using these fat burners. How long have you been on a cut? A week. Well, eh? It doesn't make sense to me. Bring them in as and when required rather than just wholesale throw them in at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. Let's move on then. That's all of our questions for the day. But we do have one more topic. Oh, and we had a question that's kind of off topic here that I'll throw this one in. Corey Wright asked it. Uh, he says, uh, what in-betweeners character best describes Dave? I've never watched it. Oh, dude, it's I, I watched all of it, all the episodes, and I saw one of the movies, too. I don't remember any of the characters' names, and I only remember. I've never, never watched it. Hmm. It's a funny show, man. You should watch it. I've seen clips, but I've never watched it. It's good. Right. This is going to confuse the hell out of you. What's that? So I'm going to describe the item. So this is a bread roll. So okay. We're talking, so this is, our, you know, a, this is our English segment. Yeah, about, okay, bread yeah. roll. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, about that big little bread. What do you call it in America? We'd call it a dinner roll. Okay. Do you have any other names for it? Um... That would be the main one, a dinner roll, a, um, um, I guess you could call it a bun. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. We call it morning roll. Morning roll. Muffin. 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 Um, and then, what, was the la- what was that last one? Bap. A bap? Huh. Cob. Cob. Oge. Tea cake. Lardy cake. Buttery. Vienna, huh. batch, a batch, scuffler. a scuffler, yeah. bread cake. I know scone. Cake. I know scone. Slotty, a slotty. Rowie. Do you say all these Rowdy. words? Yeah, but these are all words. Every region in the UK has a different name for a bread roll. You guys do a lot um, of bread rolls, huh? So in Yorkshire, where I'm from, it's tea cake. A tea cake. I've heard you say that. We're going to have cakes. No, it's not a cake. It's a bread roll. Now, someone said to me, so what's the... We do a bread roll with currants in, raisins in. Okay. So they said, so what's that? And that's a currant tea cake. Huh, okay. But you go over to Manchester and it's a bread cake. Okay. You go to, you go to Sheffield, which is literally 10 miles down the road from me, and it's a cob. Hmm. Everywhere, barn or bap, barm, B-A-R-M, is another one that's used for it. These are all, can I, what if I just go to the restaurant and I'm like, can I get a bread roll? Will they know what I'm talking about? 
They would know what you're talking about, but there are literally about 20 odd different names for a brick wall in England, okay. and depending on where you, and they differ slightly as well. Okay. Oven bottom. Oven bottom. Do you ever see the? Um, you ever go to Red Lobster and get those cheesy bread rolls? We don't have Red Lobster. Then you suck. Flat out. They're. I don't even like we Red don't... Lobster, but I like those 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 dinner rolls they have. So it's basically just a cheese roll. Yeah, they're good. They're good. Real buttery. So the, cheese is, the cheese is baked into it. Yeah, it's very heavy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah each one. Things. Each one's probably like three pounds. You know, it's. Uh, but then we have scones as well, which ooh. are a harder, more stale, stale thing. They're basically a scone is a stale biscuit, is what that comes down to. No, it's not. A biscuit is a thin thing. Not this fat thing that you smother what you describe as gravy, which just looks like slop all over it. Yeah, biscuits gravy and gravy. Fluid. It's not great. No, that's not gravy. Gravy is fluid. That's congealed mess. It's delicious congealed mess is what that is. <laughs> it's revolt and it's gray. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. even looking high color. It's gray, for God's sake. <laughs> you gravy's, do. The, gravy's made with meat juice. Yeah, yeah. Biscuits and gravy is pretty damn delicious. That's not, all. No, 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 no. Biscuits are sweet. They come in packets. Yeah. And you can have ginger biscuits. You can have oat biscuits. But you don't get biscuits with gravy. That's not a biscuit. So basically, the only place you find a scone here in the U.S. is if you go to a, a coffee shop, kind of like a hoity-toity place, and they're like, oh, and I'll get a scone on the side. I'll get a double cappuccino. With and you, you can have it with butter or jam or clotted cream. Little, because you need that because it's a stale biscuit. Is that? It's not a stale biscuit, but we also do a cheese one. I could go for a cheese scone. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah. But this biscuit crap, no, no, that's not a biscuit. What about biscotti? Are you guys? Did you guys do that, or is that French? <coughs> I thought it was Italian. Oh, biscotti. Italian. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Biscotti. Um, that's, that's like stale breadsticks. Well, we get little. You tend to get little ones on the side of your cup when you you get a coffee. You huh. get biscuit biscuits. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're um, still. But so, what do well. you call a biscuit in the sense of a, a packet of biscuits, as in thin cookies. cookie type things? Oh, they'd be cookies. Yeah. No, a cookie's a biscuit. No biscuits. A cookie's a type of biscuit. Biscuits you put in the oven. They rise. No. You put them on no. the you put them on the side of your plate for dinner. No, that's a biscuit. No, a biscuit is a a cookie is a type of biscuit. Uh, my dog gets dog biscuits, and they're shaped like a bone. It's like a little milk bone. They call them. Mine gets gravy bones. Gravy bones. Yeah. yeah. Is that a real bone or is that like a dog treat? No, it's a dog treat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We have... So it's basically hardened gravy. Oh, that proper gravy, like... not not that gray putrid slop that looks like it comes out of an alien's head. I bet he eat. likes that. I bet he likes those. I just, how can you call something that thick a biscuit? Because that's what a biscuit is. That's no, how come you can. Cookie thickness. No, yeah, that's called a cookie. No, no. See, your biscuits are like our scones, really. It's just they're more savory. Yeah, they're not stale. That's scones the difference. Scones aren't stale. That's why they're so hard. Is they're stale they're biscuits. They're hard on the outside. They're not hard on the because inside. Because they've been exposed to the air for like three oh. weeks. 
Could it be out. that you just can't make them? Uh, have you ever thought of that? That, that is possible. Wrong. That is possible. You can lose stuff in translation. So. so when you come over to England, I will take you and I will purchase you a scone. Okay, let me ask you this now. How many scones would I have to eat to take 70 units of insulin post-workout? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> well, seriously, those things are so dense. I'm thinking like a half. You just need like a half a scone per 70 oh, units. You know? yeah. How can you get it so wrong? <laughs> I don't know, I don't, man. I don't, I don't, you know, we spawned you. Uh, you've got it so wrong Uh, I'm sure I am genuinely sure that someone from England went to America in the days when you were settling and everything else and was shit at making scones and tried to pass it off as something else and said no that's not a scone that's a biscuit they kicked them out because they were so terrible at actually making real scones so they palmed this shitey thing off as a biscuit that's possible. You guys aren't really known for uh, a lot of great foods over there, are you? In England? Pardon? You guys aren't known for a lot of great foods, are you? You guys make just like stew with okay, big, so stale biscuits what, on the side, right? What great foods are American known for? Not porridge. No. That's Scotland. It's all the same. It's like basically around the corner from you. Down it the street. Is, come on. You name me a great food America's known for. We are known for Mexican. That's not American. That's We're Mexican. known for great Italian food. That's Italian. That's not American. We've got great Middle Eastern food by me. I can keep, you, I can keep going. I can keep the going. only things that I come to mind as being traditional American are generally stuff, I, your barbecue style stuff. Yeah, yeah burger. And burgers. We yeah. do a good burger, hot that's dog, for sure. Hot dogs, possibly. We have fish and chips. Oh yeah, that's good. I I want to go there and eat some fish and chips. I do. That that sounds good. English fry up breakfast. English fry up. I don't even know what that is. Oh, bacon, eggs, beans. Oh, that's tomatoes. what I was eating right before the show. That's that's a traditional English breakfast. I'm gonna call that an English fry up from now on. What are you eating? So you've got that. Okay. We've got the Sunday roast with Yorkshire pudding. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Sunday roast with Yorkshire pudding. It sounds um, dry. Pudding is everything. No, that's because you put proper gravy on it, not that slop stuff you make. <laughs> There's only one thing that stuff should be used for, and that's greasing axles. I thought you guys just ate like porridge. That like a big only on Tuesdays. A big that's bowl. Tuesdays. The big yeah, bowl. Some sort of some sort of porridge. Some sort of um, stew. And that's it. On Tuesdays, everybody in the England eats porridge all day. You're kidding me. You're really? You're serious? Yep. All day on a Tuesday, we get up, we have porridge for breakfast. You're kidding fact, me. We just make a huge bowl really? and just keep going through it through the day. Yeah. You're kidding, really? That's a thing? No. Yeah. Huh. I never do that. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, guys, with that said, for another episode of Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland, I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. Uh, get azoth.com. That's A-Z-O-T-H. Of course, go to crosslands.org.uk. And uh, Dave's new thing behind him, just type in V into your search engine and you'll find him. You'll find lizard people. (laughs) That's it. See you guys. 